guys. Welcome back to Along for the Ride. Today is the fifth episode, which isn't really notable, but (laughs) it feels like it's been a year and also two days at the same time. But I think you'll really like today's episode. It's actually one that I recorded back in October when I was living in Medellin, Colombia on my remote year program. And I'm actually chatting with Jen Nichols. She was our program leader throughout the entire four-month journey throughout Latin America. So let's get into it. Today we're here with Mama Jen. Jen is our program leader here in Calo. So I met her on my first day in Lima. We'll talk more about what actually she does for the group. And she's literally the mother goose that keeps (laughs) us all in line. But yeah, this is your third program? Correct. Yep. Program number three. And you have another one that I'm kind of interested in for January through April. So we'll see about that. But do you want to start off and just like introduce us, where you're from, how old are you, what do you do with Remote Year, et cetera? Sure. Um, My name's Jen and I'm from Melbourne, Australia. I've been working with Remote Year for around about two years now. Um, I came into the company as a program leader for a 12-month program Um, That was Kaizen, started in April 2017. And uh, here I am now, having done Panta Ray, which was four months in Asia, and uh, here on Carlo, four months in Latin America. Yeah. And then where to next? Where's... So the next program is Kungana, and it's going to be a big one. It starts in Cape Town uh, on the 30th of December, Marrakesh and Lisbon and Valencia. It's seriously like the dream itinerary. (laughs) (laughs) Want to go so bad? Where were you living before? I was going to say before Kala. So you were in Southeast Asia before then. But Mm -hmm. let's say before remote year. Where where were you before that? So I've actually been traveling for, I keep saying three years, but it's coming on four now. And um, before my job with remote year, I was working for a company called Top Deck. And they run bus tours all around Europe. So I was the one at the front of the bus, like, hey, guys, welcome to Paris, and giving all that information for every city. What all cities did you do that through? Um, like most of Europe. Really? So everywhere from Rome to Budapest to um, Paris to, yeah, literally everywhere in between. Oh How long were you in each of those cities, or would you move around? Two oh. days. Oh, every my gosh. time. Yeah, so we would pick the group up in London at 6 a.m., uh, drive to Paris and then spend two nights there, then pack up, drive to Switzerland. Oh my god! Two nights there, drive to Florence, one night there, two nights in Rome, two nights in Venice. And depending on uh, where the trip would go, sometimes through Austria, sometimes straight to Germany. And then you'd just start like another, so you're with the same people yeah. throughout the... Oh, yeah, so I didn't really... we would have groups of 18 to 30-something-year-olds, um, usually around like 30 people per group, um, and we would stay together for the trip, which was anywhere between 11 days up to the longest I did was 27. Oh, wow. And then I get back to London, maybe have a couple days off, and then start all over again. Oh, my gosh. I didn't realize that when you were doing that, it was so, like, truly, like, two days in each place, yeah. moving yeah. around constantly. That was a great change for me. Like, when I, I remember my interview for Remote Year, And the person interviewing me said, like, oh, one thing that people maybe struggle with in this role is the constant packing up of your life and moving to the next city. I was like, I'm going to be there for a month. I get to unpack my bags. This is amazing. Yeah. So different. Um, 
And so what's your background and how did you get to all of this? Um, well, I, my, my actual educational background has really nothing to do with this. I did a bachelor of science majoring in physiology and a master of teaching, which the teaching skills. I was going to say (laughs) teaching, I feel like pulls it all together. I could never be a teacher and I could never do what you do. Yeah. I think the teaching was definitely, um, very useful for the kind of role that I'm in now and, and my previous role as well. Um, but I think the main thing that led me to this role was just a love of travel from when I was very young. I, I never really traveled with my family. We, we've never been on an overseas family vacation. I haven't either with my family. Yeah. But, um, when I was 15, I came home from school holding this brochure that I wanted to go on exchange. And I, I told my mom, um, and my options were to go to, I wanted to go to the USA because, I really wanted to live that like high school American movie yeah. dream. Um, but then there was also the option to go to Italy or to go to the Netherlands. And my mom was born in Holland, so she... Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah, I, I travel in a Dutch passport, which is great. Uh, makes life a lot easier. But um, yeah, I ended up deciding to go to Holland. It was the first year they had put it back in their itineraries and it seemed like a sign. So I just kind of jumped and went with that. And really, I think that changed my life. Um, How old were you at this point? 15. Oh my god! Yeah. And my mom, even now, she's like, I can't believe I let you, let do you that. pack up and put you on a plane. Apparently, after I walked through the gates, my mom burst into tears and said, what have I done? Um, but really like what she did was build me up for this life that I'm, I'm living now. Um, and then pretty much every, every two years after that, I would get that itchy feet feeling again and have to go off. Um, so I, I did that exchange for five months, came back, finished off high school and then went to France on exchange for two months because I thought it would be kind of cool to learn French. Um, then when I was 20, that was really the big one where I I still wanted to go um, to the United States and I thought I could go and work in a summer camp there. We have a program back home called Camp America and they, they help you um, find a job in the summer camps. But it was 2010 and the economy was, you know, not in a good place at all and there weren't that many jobs available, especially for non-Americans. Uh, so I had already taken the year off my studies. My mom wasn't happy about it at all, but, um, I'd gone ahead and done it and I thought I can't not do anything this year. Like if I can't get a job in America, maybe there's something else I can do. And I stumbled across teaching in China. So that was when I went to China. Um, and I spent six months teaching there. And again, that really changed my life in a way that I now nothing can ever really phase me like for anyone who's lived in China or even just been to China for any period of time you sort of learn to just accept that life will happen and there's not a lot you can do about it and you really do get thrown in the deep end um of like you're you know pushing those boundaries of your comfort zone so I learned a lot, um, and I was still very young then. I was only 20, um, and I went back to university, finished my studies, much to my mother's relief, yeah. 
And um, then I took a year off. So that was, I finished my undergraduate and I took a year off thinking, okay, now I'm really going to get all the traveling out of my system so I can come back. So I knew I wanted to be a teacher and um, I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll travel for a year, come back and then settle you know, do my master's and then settle in and, you know, get married and have kids and do all of this stuff. My plan was to get all the traveling out so that I could... Uh, get back and, you know, just settle down, have a job, have a house, get married, have kids. But <laughs> it turned out that uh, after a year of traveling, while it was enough to get me to go back to university for a little bit, uh, that love of going and exploring new places uh, had just been strengthened more than ever. So after I I did my two-year master's, I was at the point where like everyone else who was graduating was looking at applying for teaching jobs and um, trying to to get into all the different schools in the area. But I decided to apply for Top Deck and uh, I got the job and that was the start of the last four years of my life. Yeah. So yeah, it was an adventure. Yeah. My gosh. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I feel like I've had similar points in my life where I'm like, okay, I just need to do this and get it out of my system. And then it like almost strengthens it Mm -hmm. more. And then you are almost then even more confused. You're like, okay, well, I thought I was going to do that and then do the plan. And Mm -hmm. two years ago, I was like, okay, I'm going to just go spend a month in Europe by myself. I went to Europe because I was like, I, I didn't study abroad. And I was like, I just need to like go spend a month in Paris and I think I'll decide that I don't actually want to live there, you know, and then now I really want to live there and now I'm like giving up my home in Chicago and traveling around and I, even after being here for six weeks, I'm like, I thought I'd go back to Chicago after this and now I'm like, I don't know, it's kind of interesting, so. Now you're going to come on Kungana with me, I go know. to Cape Town, go to Marrakesh. Oh my God, I just... Even just thinking about it, I'm like, oh my God, what's happening with my life? But it's all such good problem to have, right? And once you kind of untie yourself from life in a way of not even having a lease and are just open to all these other possibilities, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. And that's when the magic happens. Yeah. Like when you just kind of follow the signs and like, I I was never meant to do this program, Carlo, Um, and it just kind of happened that it fit perfectly, not so perfectly because I, I had to literally fly from my last program, like leave it a couple of days early to come here and I have to do the same for the next one. But it just squeezed in, in between um, the two other programs and I, they asked me to do it and I kind of thought like, why the hell not? Yeah. You know what's crazy is I feel like everybody that I've talked to just in Kalo and not even like that I've interviewed yet, but everybody it's like the timing and everything like the stars have just aligned perfectly and like I so believe in like all of that stuff anyway in those serendipitous moments Mm -hmm. and you know I had I don't I couldn't rationally explain this to other people but I had sublet my apartment before I ever even knew about this remote year opportunity and something just told me that it was the right thing to do and I did it through the end of the year and then this thing came up and it was like well, actually, that's the only way I would have been able with two weeks' notice to leave the yeah. country for four months. You know, it just weird little things like Dan and Becca, their lease ended 
the day the program started. So that's mm-hmm. why they were able to. It's just like really weird yeah. synchronicities, you know? Yeah. It's the universe. It is. All right. So I feel like going kind of down that universe path, when did you kind of start noticing those little things? Did you kind of, I didn't grow up in a household. Like my mom has probably never said the word universe in her whole <laughs> life. But when did you kind of start to be receptive, listen to like, say if it's your intuition or whatever? Mm, I I think I've always been a little bit like that. Like as a kid, I remember choosing which clothes I would wear that day. And it would kind of be like, oh, I feel like today is more of like this. You know, you just kind of touch your pink t-shirt and you're like, yeah, that's the one for today. But when I really, like when I realized that other people feel that kind of thing, but much, much more strongly was probably when I read The Alchemist. It was our 10th grade, like, um, literature novel. And I remember reading that and I I remember that it was a tough book for a 14, 15 year old to, um, try and understand, but that it just kind of all made sense. And I was like, yeah, like there is this power out there that does something. And I don't necessarily believe in like destiny or that anyone, everyone has this, you know, pre-written path that they need to follow. But I do think that those signs are thrown at you sometimes and you just. And it's just, if you're receptive Mm -hmm. to, I feel like the signs are there. You just have to be open to reading them or yeah. interpreting them. Yeah, in and, and maybe it is that whole, like, you know, every time you read a horoscope, you can read any yeah. horoscope and it will mean something to you in some way if you want it to. And that's why when people read the one, like, I'm a Pisces, and if I read the Pisces one, I'm like, yeah, it was written for me. But then my best friend is born a week after me, so we're the same star sign, yeah. and I'm like, well, it's also for her. So. Yeah. But, you know, if I want to believe in it, then then I do and I find meaning in it. And then if I don't want to believe it, then I just say, ah, like, no, you know, there. It's it's for every Pisces. It can't possibly be true. Yeah. So, yeah. From what I've heard about astrology, I don't know much, but somebody has explained to me who's, like, super into it and, like, why it sometimes it's really spot on and sometimes it's mm-hmm. not is because it's just your sun sign and there's so many other things happening in the solar system or astrology or maybe solar system's not the right word but that like if you do your chart and you know what's rising and what is just the sun sign I I, I don't know it doesn't apply to everyone always yeah I'm very skeptical of of star signs but one thing that I have really found interesting uh, recently is like the um, the personality types so like the The Myers-Briggs what are you um E-N-F-P I'm ENTP. Yeah. So one off. Yeah. Yeah. I was really, I guess, surprised when I took mine. I mean, it makes, I think I'm an introverted extrovert because mm-hmm. I do definitely like recharge by being by myself yeah. a lot of times. But I, I like paid, I think, the $12 or whatever it was to get like this 16 page mm-hmm. like manual. And when you were, re- when you're reading that about yourself, yeah. you're like, oh my God, like somebody else gets it. Like I yeah. am the way that I am. <laughs> Yeah, mine was absolutely spot on um, to the point of like, I remember because I, I did the one, the 16 personalities, um, yeah. just like the free online one. And yeah, it, it was saying like the little quote at the beginning was like, why can't I be an astronaut and a teacher and a fisherman? And, and I was like, that's literally my life. I yeah. just want to like 
be everything. And it also said like one of your one of your flaws is that you have all these brilliant ideas and sort of build things up in your mind, but actually making them happen and getting out there and, and doing it um, can be a, a challenge for you. And I was like, yeah, that's that's very spot on too. Like I have I have the dreams and sometimes I lack the I don't know what the word is, but just the ability to like make it happen, to think about all the little details in order to make it happen. Yeah. But it's been great in this role. Like that's something that I've really had to develop in myself because I do have to make a lot of things happen. Yeah. I need the dreams, but I need the practicality side yeah. of things. That's something I'm always working on too. I feel like I'm the exact same way. I like have this great idea. I get like paralysis by like overwhelm where mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God, there's so much I have to do to make that happen. Then it's like, I just end up not doing anything rather than something I've been trying to like really focus on on a daily basis, like breaking down the big goals. Like what's one small step I can take today to like help get me there? Because it's like once you get the one small step, you build the momentum and you really do get things moving. And get addicted Um, to that feeling of success and achievement. Yeah, I listened to a um, TED Talk the other day from Elizabeth Gilbert. Um, I love her. Yeah, author of Eat, Pray, Love, and she... Um, she was giving this advice on like how, how to follow your dream and, you know, like she wanted to be an author and she was young and, um, just found she didn't have enough time to make things happen. And this older author said to her, like, what's your favorite TV show? And she answered and like, oh, well you have time to watch that, but you don't have time to write. And like, what are your plans for the the summer break? And she's like, yeah, I'm going away with my friends. Oh, you have time to go with your friends, but you don't have time to write. And like, there is enough time to do the things you need to do. It's just, you have to make them a priority. Yeah. And it's all about the choices that you make. Yeah. So. For sure. What TED Talk is that? I want to listen to it. I don't know. I listened to two talks from her. There's There's one from her where she talks about Um, the fear of failure actually and how after eat pray love people would sort of treat her like um like she was doomed because they're like well you're never what if what if you never have this success in your life again and she was like honestly I probably won't like that's a scary thought that like my biggest achievement is already behind me yeah um and that talk was actually a lot about um why creatives um, are especially susceptible to like maybe depression or, um, suicide because there is that feeling that like, there's a pressure on yourself. There's a pressure from everyone else of like, I need to produce something. I need to be brilliant and not everything you do is brilliant. And so I, I think in the other talk, it was where she talked about, um, really just accepting that when you're trying to produce something, like it's not going to be perfect. Yeah. Especially from the beginning. Like it takes a lot of work. And she was talking about how like, you know, you have this brilliant idea and you're like, I'm going to achieve this. And you have the end goal in mind. And then you start on day one and you're really excited and you like, maybe you write something or make something and, and you feel good about it. And then on day two, you go back and you look at what you did on day one and you're like, Oh, this sucks. Yeah. And, and then you think like, okay, well, I'll try again. And you try, and then you get frustrated with yourself because it's not any better. You can't fix it. And then you think that you're just like, you have no talent and you're the worst person in the world. And the fact that she 
was saying all of this, and she's someone who yeah. clearly has had a lot yeah. of success. She's like, I feel like this every time. And that is the moment where a lot of people drop out. They yeah. they give up. They don't believe that they can do it. But what you need to do is push through that moment because eventually you're going to break through the wall and you are going to make something great. So yeah. And just have to believe that or just like acknowledge that that feeling is totally normal. Yeah. And I think hearing that from somebody like Liz Gilbert, you know, it just makes it so much more relatable, yeah. you know, because that's something I feel like I'm sure you can relate to. Like yeah. I relate to resonance deep, you know, <laughs> yeah. where you try to do something and one day and then the next day, like that inner critic in your head is mm-hmm. just like, well, who are you to do this? And that idea yeah. sucks. And like, you'll never make that happen. And yeah. And then you have, you have that inner critic. And then once you finally do make something and release it to the world, you have all the outer critics, yeah. you know, and you have the keyboard army who come out and yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a hard, hard world that we live in these days. I know. Do you have any morning routines? I guess you've been traveling now for so long, but anything that just like helps set you up for success, whether it be working remotely or just something that no matter where you are, days off, days on, that you kind of do to like get yourself centered and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, the biggest thing for me is going to the gym. So I usually get up pretty early, like 6 a.m., 6.30, and the first thing I'll do is go to the gym. And if a day comes where I, where I can't do that, I, I feel it for the whole day. Yeah. I feel unsettled. I feel... Um, just like this constant urge to go. So that's been something like pretty recent. Um, in my, my 12 month, um, group for remote year, like we sort of went through phases where sometimes we were doing that. It's hard in Asia because you're having a lot of late night meetings. And then the last thing you want to do is get up at six and go to the gym. Um, so I sort of fell on and off a few times throughout that year, but then I realized that for me, something that was very important in in making me feel like good about myself and making me feel healthy and making me feel in my best like mental state to be able to work was having that morning gym session so um yeah that's something that I try and do every day other than that I mean I like to go and explore the city I always try and go to different cafes um I try and split my time between like coming into the workspace and then also going out and just like checking out a new cafe. Honestly, I haven't, I can't remember the last time I cooked a meal. So yeah, I, I do tend to eat all of my meals out because I'm usually with someone in the group or we have an event or something. I'm on the move somewhere, but I'm, I'm happy with that. And even though if I looked at my bank account and saw how much money actually goes towards um, eating out and like that terrifies me. But to me, I I don't think I would even change it because I do love to go and like try all the different foods and places. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like I can cook at home for the rest of my life. But when am I going to get to go and have dinner on a mountainside in you know Bogota? Like Exactly. Honestly, with everything you just said, I feel like I'm like, ditto, yep, ditto, (laughs) ditto, ditto. Mm -hmm. Same thing with like, I'm not a big cook. I, even at home, you know, Mm -hmm. if it brings you joy and if that is your thing, I'm all for it. But that's just not going to ever be somewhere where I budget. I'll try to keep it 
budget friendly, I guess. And here it's obviously really easy because like going out is not very expensive. Mm-hmm. But I just I like the experience of like going out anywhere yeah. and trying different cafes and yeah, and anything from like you know a fancy like ten course degustation with matching wine to like the local mama on the side of yeah. the street selling empanadas. Like yeah. I want all of that, everything in between. I think that I, cause I feel like I gravitate towards more of like the hole in the wall places. And people always ask me a lot when I am traveling, how I find places to go. And cause on the blog, then I'll do a travel guide and I don't put everywhere I ate. Cause not everywhere is good except Lima like, yeah. like all but one meal was obsessed with but I feel like I just kind of like let say if I'm just like wandering you just kind of like let that intuitive pull of where to go and like mm-hmm. where you end up and I think it makes such a difference because I know you've talked about wanting to start travel blog and mm-hmm. I think you so should because mm-hmm. I feel like every city that we go to you know when I'm like Jen like where are the cafes and all that like you always do know all the best spots, but I think mixing, it's cool that, you know, you like to go to the bigger or more fancy places, but like are totally fine with the, um, little side mom on the street, which I think is so important, you know? Yeah. They're the places that you remember more as well, because like, if you go to a super fancy restaurant, it doesn't matter which city in the world you're in, it has that same kind of vibe to it. Yeah. And I do love when they really focus on, like, locally sourced ingredients, like Central and Lima. You know, they take you through this journey of, like, all the different altitudes of Peru. But the stuff that I remember the most is my... Like, I still remember walking around China with my little bao bun, like, every morning. It was so cold, and that was the only thing that would keep my hands warm. So, they're they're the best memories. I never made it to Central, but I just... I don't know. I feel like my time even though we do have a month in each city and you still realize that a month isn't that long after mm-hmm. you're here um, because we are working too. It's not just like a month long yeah. vacation as sometimes it seems maybe on social media. <laughs> what are three things that you brought that you absolutely can't travel without? Oh, that's a tough one. I mean, I've been living out of my backpack now for four years. Four years. Um, wild. I seriously can't imagine. And I'm finally at the point where I think I might convert to a suitcase. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is a big moment in my life. Yeah. I'm definitely growing up, putting on the uh, the big girl shoes. But, yeah, my backpack has been my my friend all yeah. throughout. It was like an Osprey two-part detachable backpack that my, my parents bought me for my 22nd birthday. Um, so yeah, it's, it's seen a lot. It's been, it's been all over. Um, but yeah, I would have always said that's something that I, I couldn't travel without, but now I'm, I'm think I'm learning to let go. My flip flops, well, I'm Australian, so we call them thongs, but, um, they have to be Javiana's, the brand, and they are my, my most worn item for sure. Like the only time I put on other shoes is, if I'm going to the gym or if I'm going out somewhere that won't allow flip-flops to come in. And, um, yeah, I I have no apologies. I feel like shoes are tiny prisons for your feet. <laughs> and my feet just want to be free. <laughs> I would happily, like, um, I was in Honduras for my diving training for seven weeks and I lost my 
my thongs like maybe three or four days in and then I didn't get new shoes until I, I was leaving the island and I, I knew that I needed proper shoes to get on a plane. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I was quite happy to run around barefoot for a month and a half and I I would still do that. Maybe not here. I don't know how the roads would yeah. uh, fare on my feet. <laughs> but yeah, definitely flip-flops. And yeah, I don't know. I really, I don't have that much stuff. Now, these days, my laptop, like yeah. my MacBook sure. is my life. And if something happened to that little machine, like I, I don't know what I would do. A phone, I can lose. Like yeah. my phone goes, uh, life goes on, but. Yeah, without my computer, everything falls apart. Have you had a moment or an interaction or some type of life experience that has rerouted your life or path? I guess you kind of had, I mentioned earlier, it might be the exchange program, but is there anything? Yeah, the exchange program was a, a big thing and definitely started the whole journey. But also, so when I was around 18 I I met a guy who ended up being like you know my first love love of my life blah 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 and hearing his stories of like going to India going to China he had I think he traveled for two years um through India and China and the stories that he told me like I was young and in love and you know looked at him with like heart-shaped eyes for sure but I really admired um, just his like sense of adventure and you know he would show me photos of like riding a horse in Tibet and like all this cool stuff and we broke up a few months later but when I was kind of thinking like this whole China thing and I'm like can I go to China like I'm 20 years old who am I to go and and be a teacher uh, you know like I don't have any qualifications I'm a kid um, but then I just kind of remembered like his bravery and adventure and, and he had gone, I mean, it was a long time before that, that he had gone. So like China was not even as, you know, developed and Westernized, I guess, as um, it was in 2010. And I was like, if he did it, I can do it. Like, you know, I, yeah. who is he? He's no better than me. So yeah, I, I jumped on a plane and went to China. So that for sure. And then one other one I would say is my training for my tour guide job with Top Deck. They put you through a lot. Like really like try and push you, try and break you in terms of like lack of sleep. And you're trying to cram, you know, thousands of years of history into your brain. And for me, someone who hadn't really studied history before, I like really, really had to work at it. Um, and just the physical exhaustion of everything. But once you get through that trip, you're like, I can handle anything. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. It's funny when you said hearing all of your ex's stories, I remember, I vividly remember being, so it was my first job out of college. And at that point I went to Mexico for spring break, my senior year of college. And that's the only time I had left the country. You know, I'd been to like Hawaii and Alaska mm-hmm. because I had family that was there, but we didn't take any like family trips. And with those trips, I would like, my mom would put me on a plane and like an aunt or uncle would like get me off of it, yeah. you know? And, but at the end of college, I was dating this guy and I think we might've still been dating at this point. So it would have been like right after college. And I was 
living in Chicago. I lived there for not quite a year before I moved to New York. And I was working for a personal stylist and we were at this woman's house doing her closet and she was talking about when her and her husband lived and I think it was Boston or you know mm-hmm. different places other than Chicago but I grew up in a small town of 3000 people in Illinois. I did not know big city life like I after college kind of wanted to move to New York but my boyfriend at the time was like oh I'm staying in Chicago. I had two roommates in college that I felt like kind of were on that path too like they were they now are married to the guys they were dating senior mm-hmm. year and I just always a little bit internally felt like a misfit in ways of like I just kind of was like okay yeah I'm just gonna do that because I didn't know any other way and that's like what all my parents and their friends had done and nobody I didn't really know anyone that had like a cool story but hearing like this woman and it was another woman who worked there too saying you know like she, she had lived in New York and it was this client saying that like oh when her and her husband lived somewhere else and I feel like I literally just had my life flash before mm-hmm. my eyes and I was like okay if I stay with this boyfriend now like I'll never get to do that yeah you know and he ended up breaking up with me but it was like the best thing that's ever happened to me and I was like fuck it going to New York <laughs> like I'm moving there and I feel like that's really when and that talk about serendipitous moments I was out there for a conference a blog conference. Who was I to be going to a like blog conference? I don't know, but I got the only person I knew in New York who went to my college. She was living out there and I was like, Alyssa, I like really want to move out here. And she's like, well, when's your lease up in Chicago? And I'm like, July, I think this is in maybe like February, March. And she's like, oh, that's so funny because my lease is up in July and my roommate's moving it out. Like it was, I wow. still get goosebumps thinking about it. I left there called my mom, said I was moving to New York. I like sobbed that whole night Mm -hmm. because I just knew that I was doing it and I knew there wasn't any other way and I knew Mm -hmm. to like not back out. I knew myself too well that I'd like talk myself out of this idea Mm -hmm. that I knew felt right. Told my job that I was like, I have to be done on that day and whatever. But once you kind of deviate the path, you do like open up all of these other things. Yeah, and I think there's a million different pathways that totally. you could go down. And, and all of them are okay, and all of them are fine, and there's no right or wrong. Yeah. I have to remind myself of that <laughs> all the time. And of course, like, when you look back on your life, everything connects and everything fits together because that's how you got to where you yeah. are now. You know, that's it's the path that you took. But there are definitely moments where you can look back and think, like, if I didn't do that exact thing on that exact, exact day, day at that exact moment, my life would be completely different. different. I know. That like that always freaks me out to think about. So wild. Okay, we'll end it on this. Is there a personal mantra or like a quote that you live your life by? Oh, um, I very close to what we were just saying. I really think like the possibilities are endless. So every time you make a decision about like what your next step is or what you're going to do, what you want to do with your life, like there are literally endless possibilities. Um, And then I try and choose, I have like lived the kind of life you'd like to write a book about. Yeah. Oh, I love that. (laughs) I think if you're, if you're looking at your life and thinking like no one else would want to hear about this, 
and like change your life. You deserve better. You know, you, you deserve to live an amazing life. And I think most people do have a very interesting book inside of them. Um, and yeah. And then also like a little mantra that I kind of have for myself is I am, I'm here and I'm now because life is short and you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And yes, you can like save up all your money for the future and get a great job and earn, you know, buy a big house and all of these things. But like, is that making you happy right here, right Right now? now? Because that's all we really have. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. Okay. Where can people find you? You're not private on Instagram, are you? No, I'm not private on Instagram. It's Jennifer with two underscores after it. I got that um, when Instagram first came out and I've never changed it. Yeah. I often get tagged as Jennifer with one underscore, like in, in pictures of mm. this other Jennifer. I, I don't know like who she is or what, but like, thank you, Jennifer one underscore. You <laughs> got some interesting friends out there. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, you can, you can definitely find me on Instagram. Awesome. And I'll leave the link in the show notes and everything like that. Awesome. But thank you so much for coming on. I feel like I learned so much about you and just like further reiterated why I wanted to have this talk with you anyway. Oh, thank you for having me. And I can't wait to listen to your other episodes. 